There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new Bubbly Burst. Do you want to boost the economy like Taylor Swift? Do you want to run a business empire like Rihanna? Intuit is the financial platform that helps everyday people prosper. Intuit helps you take control of your finances through products like TurboTax, Credit Karma, QuickBooks, and MailChimp. Whether you're trying to manage your money or trying to run a business, Intuit gives you the confidence to take control of your finances so you can live your best life. Intuit has helped 100 million people live their best financial lives. Visit Intuit.com, I-N-T-U-I-T.com to start living yours. Let's get into it. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort and creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. Hacks is back for season three, and so is the official Hacks podcast. In each episode, Hacks creators Lucia Agnello, Paul W. Downs, and Jen Statsky speak with cast and crew members to unpack the Emmy-winning comedy series. You'll hear Hannah Einbinder and Gene Smart speak to their on-screen dynamic, along with stories from the show's writer's room, on-set antics, and creating the world that Deborah and Ava inhabit. Watch Hacks, streaming exclusively on Max, and listen to the official Hacks podcast on Max or wherever you get your podcasts. Look, man. There. Oh, I see. Wow. Oh, my. Oh, and look over there. Wow. Is that Ooh. culture? Oh, yes. My goodness. Oh, wow. Yeah. Las Culturistas. Ding dong. Las Culturistas calling. And here's what I have to say to you. To me? Yeah, thank you. I think I know what you're thanking me for. Was it because earlier today I taught you something? You did. And I want to thank my teacher. And <laughs> can we just say thank you to all the teachers? First of all, it's rule of culture number 40. Eight. Thank, Thank you, you to all, to the, all teachers. the teachers. And my teacher today was Bowen Yang, because let me tell you what I didn't know about in the culture before yes. this very afternoon was Miss Teresa Tang. Miss Teresa. Now, Bowen, could you tell the readers all about Miss Teresa Tang? I first of all, I just want to say I'm so happy and overjoyed that you have met this this new sort of morsel of culture with such enthusiasm. I think it really is cool. It makes you happy. It makes me so happy that you well, like Teresa. Well, then it makes me happy. Because I, the first thing I did when I walked into your apartment, first of all, I'm in Matt's apartment. We're, we're doing this thing again where I'm on his coast and whatever, but I'm in his apartment. He's, he's come to me. I've come to Matt. But the first thing I did when I walked into your apartment was I go, I have to tell you about Teresa. He goes, I have to tell you about Teresa. And then he grabs know, the Apple TV remote and with a flick of his wrist, the Apple TV's on. And I'm like, whoa. This is my thing is that like, in all these like, and, and like and all the anecdotal things that I, that I've engaged in or whatever, I'll go. Oh yeah, you know, I knew when I was gay when I danced to Celine Dion in Montreal suburbs, and that's when I knew. And that was my Celine was my first object of diva worship. Blah 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 blah. But it's actually and we're deviating from that a bit today. Well, it predates Celine mm. because Teresa. Okay, so her name is Dongyi Jun in Mandarin. She is this Taiwanese singer, big in the eighties, sang 
huge polyglot, sang all her songs in Mandarin, Cantonese, Taiwanese, Hokkien, Japanese, culturally brought together a lot of East Asia and Southeast Asia. She is this huge, 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 huge deal. And then I showed you like footage of her funeral, like when she died. Okay, yeah, that's another thing. Like, let's just pause for a second and let everyone know that she died tragically of it. Would you say an asthma attack? Of an asthma attack. And the way that my mom explained it to me, I was, I I remember this so vividly. I don't have many long-term memories. And this is a long time ago. I was five years old. So this happened. So she died in 1995. I was worshiping Miss Teresa for all my adolescence, my, my, my childhood, early childhood. From zero to five. From zero to five. No, for, <laughs> I mean, I'm telling you, like, was singing the tunes and then... Posthumously. Would, no, when she was alive. Oh, shit. I okay. remember I remember a time when she was alive. And then one day I was getting out of the shower. Hot. And my mom... Hot. Stop. Just, can I we say hot? Five years old. Five years okay. old. Okay, sorry. Take it back. <laughs> <laughs> my mom my mom goes cute I don't know if I, uh, cute cute <laughs> always cute always cute when you're five and then and then my mom my mom I don't know if my mom like withheld the news from me until like no she must I, it was nighttime and she was like Teresa Tang died Damn. she and, and like I, she couldn't really explain to me like what asthma was I think so she was like she like had trouble breathing mm. and anyway it was just this like huge 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 tragedy and like she was like Princess Di like it was it was it was a crazy crazy moment she was like 43 when she passed away and that anyway. is tr- the truly sick separation of Eastern and Western culture because I had not even known of this person and you're saying she was like an, a complete icon and she dated Jackie Chan dated and, Jackie like, Chan yeah, you know, like she was like the one full on like star, the one shit. And anyway, um, but so I was just talking about something with a, with um a friend and she brought her up and I was like, oh, my God. And I just went back and listened to her songs last night and like drifted off to sleep in this like 80s jazz rock. Like we love it soundscape it was beautiful it's very sort of um i i would in the very limited time i've been exposed to her i would describe her voice as linda ronstadt-esque yes and i would describe karen, it and very Car- karen carpenter too like pure tone yeah slay and go off okay and i would also go on to say that the voice is a rich alto voice and i would mm. recommend that everyone go out there and listen to Miss Teresa Tang. And this singer reminds me of another singer. Do you have anything to, to, to kind of cap it off? I was going to sort of um, assist you with this this segue into um, Well, I don't need singer. any assisting, okay? Sweetheart, all right? So you can just relax because I have this, I have this transition covered. Okay. So speaking of singers, did you read, I know the answer to this because you told me you didn't, but did you read the New York Magazine piece this week on Ms. Mariah? Well, it just came out today. Well, for the listeners, it'll have been out two days, which is why I was sort of, you know, play okay, acting okay, and doing okay. doing podcast theater. Because, yes, it did come out today, Monday. But, you know, this episode famously, Lost Culture Racist, famously comes out on Wednesdays and has been from the beginning, really. Um, but this piece on Mariah came out and there were some tidbits revealed. And I have to say something. It does relate to our guest. Okay. Because our guest, I'm happy to say, is in the Lamely. Our guest, our, the lamb our guest is a lamb and i knew our guest was a lamb because i bought a record player which some of my followers read me for being a cross i'm looking and they at said, it now it's a they, they said it was cheap and i'm really i'm still sort of healing from that abuse that i took from my followers and i 
understand that you want the best for me, but understand that's the best I can do right now at this moment is the Crossley, and that's okay. And I had the album, Mariah Carey, number, it was like, uh, to an infinity, like it's some, it's like one to infinity, most, one to infinity. It's her, it's her, her number ones. Yes, sir. His most. You're not an actual lamb. I know. Shut this. up. You need to shut up. So I also, by the way, this reminds me. Oh no, it is there. I I ordered Butterfly the album because that's my favorite Mariah, and I thought it didn't come, but it is there. Um, but I was listening to the song My All, mm. and our guest chimed in on the DM and said, "This is the best Mariah song," and I have to agree. And there were some tidbits revealed in the New York Magazine piece that my all is about New York Yankees shortstop number two, Derek Jeter. Wow. Can you fucking believe? She could have had, I mean, the parallels between her and J-Lo are many. Sick. They're sick. And I I think that kind of explains, there has to be like some like, feud or wicked type of framework around there. I love that we're moving away from the word word feud and we're just calling it a wicked type of framework. Like a like a Broadway musical wicked. I said feud in the in the in the um in the Ryan Murphy sense. No, it's actually the, it's actually important that we say that as queer people they're not feuds, they're wicked type they're wicked situations. Type and that's actually a rule of culture. It's it's rule of culture number 66. They're, they're not, not feuds, feuds. They're, they're wicked, wicked types. Situations. situations now i'll tell you what's not wicked mm. I'll tell you what's good our guest our guest now bowen can you say a little bit about our guest before we bring them in and we can hear a little bit more about how they know mariah and how they love mariah and how they feel about mariah and how they feel about mariah just and to kick I, things off of course our guest um is basically sort of doling out advice right now mm-hmm. in a very like digestible sensible way and i am like fun follow well, you and I have talked about this. We're like, oh, like he is like, he has like the Ask Polly thing down. Like he is like giving out like Sage. tenable advice, sagely wisdom. Mm-hmm. Um, let's let's just say it. He nominated Miss Alexandria Ocasio Cortez uh, to run for brand new Congress, uh, who then backed her her run uh, against Joe Crowley. Um, and she went on to win that seat. I mean, you and, may and, know her. You may know her. Readers may know her. Readers may know her. Um, so, you know, in a way, and whether or not he accepts this credit uh, is not relevant to our sort of discourse right now. But, like, you know, we have him to thank. So, um, we do. <laughs> the fairy god, The do. fairy godmother. Not to call any queer person a fairy. But, you know, famously, the We're fairy godmother. We're taking it back. We're taking it back. We're actually taking back the fairy Salakadula godmother narrative. Bibbidi bobbidi boo. Okay, hot. Okay, hot. Okay, five years old, hot. (laughs) Wow. I think it's time. It's time to bring in our guest. Everyone, please welcome into your ears, Gabriel Gabriel Ocasio-Cortez. Hey, everyone. Hey, everyone. Well, we're so excited to have you. And I have to say, I was lit up on the inside when you responded to my story about Mariah's track, My All. So I would very much like to start off by embarrassing myself. What? So... Here's the thing about my all is that, you know, I was born in 92. I was born in late 92. So I'm basically 93, but yeah. 92 sounds a little bit more OG, you know, right? So I'll take I that. would agree. You're a cusp. Exactly. You're a cusp. <laughs> so I guess growing up as a kid, like there was so much prime music coming out in like 90, like 98 to like 2002. Was, like, Such a good era. Drenched in 
shit, right? Yeah. Just yes. Excess culture in like every sense. But I guess I remember my dad buying, um, going to FYE, right? Like rest in peace, FYE, going out and buying CDs. And he got, I think it was um, Whitney Houston's like, it's not right, but it's okay. Era Very, CD. Oh, like with the wow. with, right, and he like the turtleneck. Of, she's in the turtleneck. Yes. Oh, the whole movie. <laughs> with that sort of hand, and she's like crouched down, and it, it, she's exactly. like smiling, but you know the title is like it's not right, it's but it's okay, and it doesn't really match. <laughs> but you're like Whitney, we forgive. Exactly. It's like she stole the like, are you that somebody like vibes, but just like made it like Rihanna, like a little wow. bit yeah, the bridge, right? the bridge. A bit <laughs> but I guess I just remember hearing my all around the same time as that. And for some reason it got pegged in my head as a Whitney Houston song. Damn. Wow. And it wasn't until like a few months ago that I guess <gasps> I, like it was on a YouTube mix or like a, a title mix that I put on. And I'm like, I was like, there's no way that this is Whitney Houston. Yeah. I'm like, no, oh. I'm like, how did I not give her like the credit for this? No, but it's, I'd say, I, I think it's her, I think it's her best song. I would have to agree. It is a vocal triumph and also not for nothing, but you can't judge yourself for getting all those things confused because the, the, the girls were really piling it on in the late 90s. There was a lot of stuff. There was a lot of good stuff happening, especially, especially, I believe, in the pop R&B um, segment. Yeah. To talk about Mariah, I do want to say that um, Shake It Off, I'm surprised that that was never a number one. But she blocked herself from becoming number one because of Touch My Body. So, oh, damn. You know, it is, it is true. Shake It Off is, oh, it, it, I would go as far as to say, and I'm going to throw Taylor Swift under the damn proverbial bus <laughs> right now. The superior Shake It, it is Off. It is the superior Shake It Off. And if we were to have a battle of the Shake It Offs, Mariah Shake It Off would come out on top. But this is my theory, is that if you had put Shake It Off on a different album than Emancipation of Mimi, it would have stood out. But the fact that Shake It Off was on Emancipation of Mimi, it was just there was just so much good. St- there was a wealth of 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 stuff in that album, so it's like it mm-hmm. kind of got lost in the shuffle. I would say. Yeah. Would you would you would you support that both of you that 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 claim? I think that I, I think she knew that one of the bangers on there was just going to have to suffer. Yeah. I just didn't think she thought it was going to be that one. Mm-hmm. Right. You know exactly. what's the track on that is Stay the Night. You keep saying stay the night. Ooh. Wow. That, I think that's one of her that. favorite songs or something like that. Yeah, I mean, she's she... everywhere recently. It's like her her PR people are doing a great job. <laughs> you know, like always very consistent. Always. The pandemic is probably good for her. She doesn't have to really leave the house. She It's very on brand, you know. Yes, very on brand. Very on brand. Oh, they they do? They go into it in the piece? Talk about the piece. In the New York Magazine piece that came out today, it's like her, this is her quarantine squad. It's like her, like a couple assistants, her hair person, and Brian Tanaka, who, did you guys watch the reality show about Mariah? I I watched some episodes. So there was like a reality show that came out a couple years ago and she started dating her backup dancer named Brian Tanaka. And everyone was like, there's no way this is a real thing. He's like so much younger than her, etc. Well, the New York Magazine piece reveals that he is living with them in quarantine with her kids, Rock and Roe, Moroccan and Monroe, who seem to be very happy in their quarantine because they're living in upstate New York, which no one knew. 
And apparently it's the house that she used to live in with Tommy Mottola years and years and years ago. And she's wow. now reclaimed it. So there's a lot going on here. Okay. See, here, here, this is where I'm going to actually pause you because pause it gets me. interesting is that we lived in a part of Yorktown that basically was only a few minutes away from a few other towns because it happened to be like on the corner of yeah. like a four town, like little like four square, right? Yeah. So cutting through to another town, we would actually go on the road that had Mariah Carey's house on it. Huh? But the house like mysteriously burned down in a very like Sopranos, like 1990s type of way. Come on. So as far as I understand it, is that like the only thing that's left there is like ashes. Oh. <laughs> and just like, that's it. Like, I think somebody bought the land or something like that. Basically, my understanding is that it was suspicious because it was basically too big of a house and that they wouldn't be able to offload it anytime soon. So uh, that's how it. some people have laid it out to be. Obviously, it was just an act of God outside of anyone's control. But of course, of course, just like everything that happens to Mariah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Honestly, unbelievable. Okay, so maybe I'm maybe I'm wrong and it wasn't the house, but it was like she's in upstate New York, which is like I guess where some like tortured memories for her are. Sure. But like how baked into the lore of Yorktown was the Mariah House, would you say, while you were growing <laughs> up there? Um well, it was it was a town over and at the time um I don't even think that they basically the it's funny the way things are in Westchester is that it's it's literally, you know, old egg and new egg, right? Like Gatsby style. It is old egg. It's it's the old money. Uh-huh. So in that area where she actually was, because I, I was a broker um, there only until like recently. And basically the more money that there is in the area, the less street, <laughs> the less street signs, the less paving basically yeah. just turns into like back roads. So uh-huh. you're trying to know that like Mariah lived somewhere on like this mountain, but you know, there's, it's it's the same sort of like idea of just like nepotism if you know you know you know what i'm saying yeah. right so you couldn't get there without actually knowing someone especially back in the 90s sure okay you're you were a broker up until recently how do you feel about this sort of new genre of reality tv where it's just <laughs> real estate is like the main fixture it really is happening on netflix <laughs> it is i mean i haven't watched selling sunset just because I would watch HGTV and it would drive me insane because it would be like, hey, like, you know, my name's Chris and I like shove a fork in the wall and like my wife eats crayons and our budget's like $3 million. <laughs> and they see, you know, and they, they see like three houses and the brokers like, you know, only changed once as if it's like a two day thing. And then like they buy the house and I'm like, and then everybody's like, oh, brokers are just like, they don't have to work for their money. And I'm just like, what? no, <laughs> not what is going case. on? A lot of our friends out of college became brokers or showers. And our, we had a friend, Billy Domino. He wouldn't mind if we said this, but on his business cards, it said he, he didn't have the licenses or whatever. So uh, his 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 title on his business cards was shower, but it freezes shower, <laughs> which is which is just kind of so funny to me. But it's it's the it's such a hard job. It's a difficult line of work. You have to grind all day is my understanding. It's literally 24 seven like. You you constantly if you don't pick up that phone you're losing money. It's that simple. That's the mill- that's the millennial condition though. It's like there's no boundary between work and no work. Exactly, it ties directly into just the gig economy. Mm. And we're all we're all sort of victims to it. 
No, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Were you always, did you do that right out of school or did you do, do the service industry route as well? Oh, I mean, I've had so many service industry jobs. Like I've made Same. Um, the, not uh, Kate Mara. I made Kate Mara's coffee. I made Cuomo's coffee. I made um, the coffee of Kate Mara. <laughs> right after American Horror Story, just so you know. So it was like, it was like launching off. I'm pretty sure she had Rooney in the, um, in the, uh, in the car outside or whatever. I didn't even recognize her. And my well, manager, like the second she walked away, he's like, do you know who that is? And I'm like, he uh, were like, no medium, like milk and sugar. Like that's who that person is. <laughs> that's who like, that no, is. That's Mara. Her dad owns the jets. And I'm like, oh. if Rooney Mara had come in, you probably would have known a million percent. Yeah. She's got that kind of like energy, kind of like, Ricardo Tishi, Givenchy, like the light might flicker a little bit, like low-key paranormal. <laughs> but that's... Wow. You know what I'm saying. She's haunted. Yeah. She's yeah, I respect haunted. it. I, re- I respect it. Like, oh, I res- <laughs> I mean, if in the Battle of the Mara Sisters, there is there is no doubt who reigns supreme. However, I do always give credit to Kate Mara because she is very affecting in the last scene of Brokeback Mountain, and people forget that. Did you watch the first season of Pose? Was she in Pose? Yeah, she was unposed. She played. Um, she was um, James Vanderbeek's wife. No, Evan no? Peters is what you're, oh. get, you're, you're getting. Your, oh, you're yes, getting your white yes. men of pose mixed up. <laughs> My Ryan Murphy white men mixed up. I'm sorry. Yeah, Evan Peters's wife and Evan Peters is having an affair with with India Moore. Yeah, India yeah, yeah. Moore. Yeah, and so then they're not in the second season, probably because they couldn't find much much fun to be had with them anymore after the first season of Pose. I liked her the best in House of Cards. I think she she's made great. The show. Yeah, she got pushed in front of that damn train. And what a shock it was! What a shock! Wait, wait. How was how? What was Cuomo's order? Do you remember? Um, I remember. I was just. It was a little bit weird, or it caught me off. Like he, by the way, he has that one hundred percent has that like stern face in, yeah. in person, but he's actually yeah. very sweet. Um, actually, the the person that I worked with, I think her name was like Amanda at the time, and she was in law school, and she was like, "Oh my god, that's Cuomo," and I'm just like, oh, "Okay." <laughs> And she's like, I, 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 I'm in law school. And I'm like, help me out here. And she's like, <laughs> like I, it would be cool if like I could work for him. And I'm like, so you should ask him. And she's like, no. I'm like, do it or I'm going to ask him. So she actually asked him. And immediately he pulls out a card and he's like, here you go. Call my office. And she ended up immediately getting a job. What? Okay, yeah. there's, a, there's a theme popping up where you're just kind of facilitating all of these like political <laughs> Up, careers. Upward mobility in, in, in politics. Gays helping women? What Gays? Is this? <laughs> <laughs> wow, wow. Wait, okay, before before we talk about anything else, I have a bone to pick with you about Diet Coke where you posted to your stories recently. Mm, let's get into it, yes. That Diet Coke was the taste of gay sadness and I yes. had to re- retort and say, to some of us, it's the taste of gay joy. Why do you associate Diet Coke with sadness? And I, I don't don't bring no don't bring none of this like high fructose corn syrup di- like thing into the discourse, please. Why is it sad to you? What diet product is happy to you? Diet Coke, quintessentially. No, no. This, uh, <laughs> please, please talk Bowen out of consuming Diet Coke for good because I've dealt with this for years. It is so sad because it is it's obje- also like it, it tastes objectively better than regular Coke. You are so. It is a falsity. No, <laughs> just no. Okay, but what is what is the difference between Diet Coke and Coke Zero? That people that that love Diet Coke stand it so hard that they're not willing to talk about Coke Zero. Addiction. Because Coke, no, because this is the thing with Coke Zero. The reason Coke Zero 
was brought into existence was because it was going to be a, a zero calorie car, uh, caffeinated drink that tasted more like Coke than Diet Coke. They were trying mm. to cor- market correct Diet Coke to be more like regular Coke, but there was no need for that. And so that's why Coke Zero sucks. And no one stands Coke Zero the way that people stand Diet Coke. Do you guys understand? No, I don't understand. And you're not just because you're speaking forcefully, you're not going to get me on board with Diet Coke over Coke Zero, which tastes exactly like real Coke, but is zero calorie. I think the the reason people like Diet Coke is because it just has a higher Vogue association. Glam factor. You're basically, exactly, you're showing other people that you're happy being unhappy. And what's more Kate Moss than that. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Yes. The, so the deprivation of it all, the, sh- the the chicness that comes with like mm, only a little. It's austerity signaling. Is that what, have we come up with a new term? But I don't think that's true. I uh, drink Diet Coke because it's zero calories and it tastes great and it's got that fun little aspartame taste. I just don't, I, I don't understand and I can't believe here on Las Culturistas we're doing a Coke versus Diet Coke conversation, but this is where this is where you have led us to. And this is what I'm gonna say. Diet Coke is not as good as Coke. It's just not. And there's nothing you could do, no limes or lemons you could put in it that's gonna change my mind. Both of you. <laughs> Both of you, Matt. First of all, Matt is doing that girl from the Maury show. There's nothing my stupid mom could do to change my mind. Wait, what did she say? There's nothing my stupid mother could do to change, change my mind. My mind. Yeah, she, she Vic- wants to have Victoria, a baby. Victoria, Victoria, who was 14 years old and was gonna have a baby, a, of course. And I'm gonna have a baby. Yeah, and um, she did. She did have a baby. But she seems like well adjusted now. Like I think Maury did like a Where Are They Now feature <laughs> like in recent years, and she seems like chill. And she's just like, well, wherever she is, we hope the best for her. But you are don't think I don't know what you're doing, misdirecting about this Diet Coke shit because no, you know you've lost this, the no, battle. This, this is the Diet Coke thing. You both of you don't understand the wave of people who are firmly in the Diet Coke camp. I, I'm telling you, it's just, it's it's out there. It's it's a it's a silent majority. <laughs> it's you and Taylor Swift, and you both scream. You're not silent at all. And neither of you will ever do the Super Bowl. Because that's, of course, a Pepsi product. <laughs> because of our exclusivity with Diet Coke. That's yeah. right. That's right. Well, so, what can I say? Sorry, but me and Gabe are going to go do the Super Bowl now. <laughs> Let's take a quick break, and then we'll come right back. When it comes to travel, we all have that happy place. Whether it's the beach, ski slopes, couples getaway, or even a visit to that best friend you haven't seen in way too long, Matt. And Priceline wants to get you there for a happy price, so you never have to miss a trip. Now, we all know we love to vacation together. We have various happy places. We love to go to Orlando, Florida. We love to go to Las Vegas, Nevada. We love to go to a beach anywhere. We love to go to Europe. But when we have truly traveled the world globally and domestically. My happy place is with my sister and any of those locations he just listed. And now, thanks to Priceline's VIP family feature, you can go to your happy place more often while earning deals up to five times faster with a group. When one person from the squad travels, everyone gets more deals and you can even choose your own crew. It doesn't have to be your actual family. It could be your neighbor, your roommate, your mailman, anyone. The more you travel, the more you save. For me, I'm choosing Matt Rogers. I'm choosing producer Becca. Yes. We're all going together, the Lost Cult family. So download the Priceline app today to save up to 60% off select hotels and go to your happy place with Priceline. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, 
bubbly burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible, and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. You know, but one of the toughest things about decorating my apartment has been getting things framed, finding a place that will custom frame all my beautiful art pieces that I have without breaking the bank has been close to impossible. But then I found FrameBridge. I found FrameBridge too. FrameBridge makes it easy to get anything framed at an affordable price. Easily order online at framebridge.com or visit a FrameBridge retail store. Upload a digital photo for them to print and mail your item using their free, secure, prepaid packaging. Or visit one of their 20-plus retail stores. FrameBridge custom frames your piece in their studio using the highest quality materials and ships it to your door in days for free. I love going into the brick-and-mortar locations. I've got one here in Brooklyn, and they're so sweet. They can give you inspiration for where you want to get framed. I went in and I was like, I'm going to get my Chromatica ball bracelet framed. And they helped me. Oh my God, I'm so excited. I have so many memories I need framed and put upon the wall. And uh, they have a curated selection of frame styles with design experts right on hand who make it fun to choose the perfect frame for you. See why FrameBridge has been trusted to frame over 2 million pieces. Visit FrameBridge.com or a local FrameBridge store to get started and custom frame just about anything. That's FrameBridge.com. Hey, everybody. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs classic clogs and sandals have both covered. And when we're talking about style, we mean personal style. There's just so many colors and so many gibbets charms. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood and to match your personality and to fit the occasion. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than the Crocs clogs and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Okay, and we're back with Gabriel Casio-Cortez. Uh, I want to ask, just, or, or no, just, um, I, I want to get maybe this firsthand account of the sequence of events that led you to nominate your sister to, to be unsafe, because this is so pivotal to me, and like, it kind of gets glossed over, I think, in her narrative, a little bit. I mean, Yes, general society could probably benefit from talking about me a little bit more. If that's what you're saying. <laughs> yes, I mean, that's yes, what I was getting. That's from literally it. the way that's we what, felt. Uh, I, I, I understand. I, I totally get it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it was. Um, it, it definitely all started. I feel like 2008. I feel like there was pre 2008 and then post 2008. And uh, me and my sister, we lost our father September 2008, and. Then, of course, you know, this economy decided just to, like, totally take a left. So we were left in a position where it's entirely fend for yourself. Um, and my mom's, you know, working to clean houses. I'm barely a junior in high school. My sister's a freshman um, in college. And 
it was just a totally, totally rough spot. But as we start to, um, you know, see to where we get to the point where, you know, I'm in my car in the rain and I only pulled over because I hate driving in the rain. So I just, I, ha I hate it. I'll take the snow, I'll take a blizzard, anything, but the rain. So I pull over and while I'm actually killing time in the rain, I nominate my sister. And that's, that's how it all started. Yeah. In 2017, 2018? 2016? Was... No, 2017. Yeah. 2017. How did you know about Brand New Congress? Well, it was everybody, um, I think a lot of people that were following Bernie Sanders at the time were sort of following the main message that he was sending, which was that, you know, even if we get Hillary or Trump, whatever it is, if you want to see actual change, it has to come through Congress. It has to come through the senators. Mm -hmm. So there was an organization that was tied to Bernie Sanders campaign uh, with a parallel, and they were called Brand New Congress, and they were basically looking for nominations so that they could you know, see whose names are being brought in, talk to everyone and sort of see if they're able to place one person that aligns with their values in every congressional district. And I remember just, I, I think I probably made my sister sound like, like she could probably part the seat. I was very wow. adamant about like, you better call her. I was like, wow. I was like, give her five minutes. I was like, if it isn't worth your time, I'll pay you, but give her five minutes. I was like, before you say no, call her. Uh -huh. And I went on and I was like, you have to speak with her. I was like, I will put, because the thing about me and, the, and what I also said in this was that I don't blindly co-sign anyone. You know, if, if somebody asked me for, for me to put my name on something, I don't take that lightly. And I pretty much put that down and I said, you know, I'll put every piece of credibility that I have on the table if that means that you'll call her and that you'll talk mm. to her. Um, and I said that I don't take that lightly. You know, I'm willing to put my entire being on the line. Um, and they they heard it. And then it went from there. Wow. I mean, and this is the thing is that I feel like she has even like vocalized this thing where she was like, I never really visualized this sort of life for myself, this path for myself. And and that makes me want to ask you, like, and just in terms of like, in the context of like, let's just say like, <laughs> gay solipsism or gay like self-centeredness like but why like like what like why her instead of you you know like i mean what makes like what like what, what were the qualitative things in her that you were like she is perfect for this over like some we're, we're like we're i'm sure a lot of people they were probably fielding a lot of nominations from people who were like hey i could probably do this because i know what i'm capable of blah 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 right or like hey i'm a confident person so i'm sure, definitely ready yeah. to represent like a couple million people yeah um so it's it's definitely i I can only imagine, you know, the the selection process that they had to go through with with just the sheer number of people. You can't get back to right. eleven thousand, I think, submissions, something right. like that. Um, yeah, I get this question a lot of just sort of like, why not you? And I guess it just came down to it just wasn't a path that I was looking for in my personal life. Yeah. And you know, I when I nominated her, I nominated her knowing that very well if it worked out, it could be the end of my career in real estate it could be the end of a lot of things because I very much understood that things just shake. You know, when you shake the table, yeah. it shakes it back. That's just reality. But the need for what she fights for was just worth it. It's always worth it. You know what I'm yeah. saying? And I felt like I knew that if given the opportunity, she would be able to take it to a level that either I couldn't take it to or that I couldn't keep it at because that just wasn't, you know, the, the line of work um, and level of dedication that I was ready to give something. 
Right. Especially when other people's lives are on the balance. It's just not something that you can play around with. Totally. I will never forget seeing her campaign video. I was actually I was living in Greenpoint at the time, and so it's just a little bit ways away from where where she represents, but I'll never forget seeing it. There was just an energy about it where she clearly was like bigger than the moment. And it was for me, it was not a not uh a thing of will she what will she do with the seat when she gets nomin when she gets elected but how far will it go and we we're seeing it go to such a crazy place so i guess for me as a brother it would be kind of crazy to watch my sister become a celebrity in this way to the point where everyone has an opinion on her how do you deal with that? Because it's to the point now where she's on the news, no matter what channel it is, like being picked apart by whether it's the left, the right, wherever. It's kind of seems like everyone has an agenda with her. So what is that like to watch? Uh, it, it's tough. It's definitely a lot easier. Um, but I'd say, you know, especially right after she won the primary and it was just like, of course, no, no overnight celebrities ever overnight. This is obviously a lot of literal blood, of sweat, and tears, yeah, um, and nothing but good intentions. And that's that's all it's ever been, and that's all it'll ever remain to be. But you know, it was it, it was crazy that I blinked and like I had eighteen voicemails from like CNN and Fox and all these random things. It, it's 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 a lot. It's weird. I do like that everybody knows how to pronounce my name though. Uh huh. Major time <laughs> save. It's like yeah. Like, not to get cocky, but it's like, you know how to say my name. I, yeah. I don't have to tell you anymore. And the people that are still pretending that they don't are, like, the truest fools ever. Like, like the hangers on at Fox News, like, that are like, Ocasio-Cortez, like, being crazy. Exactly. It's like, it's you like, know how to say their name. <laughs> a million percent. It's like the cartoon evil characters, whenever they give them that, like, weird Eastern European, like, evil accent. That they <laughs> right, like, right, right, right. Ocasio-Cortez. It's like, no, stop. Um, it's a Bond villain. But yeah, I mean, it's 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 weird to that the level of um, just known that she became was so huge. Yeah, because most people, at least if you become an overnight celebrity, it's fractional to what she got. So it was just she's one of the most it, famous people in America. It's like, insane. It's yeah, totally insane. Um, yeah, it's 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 weird. It's still something that I that I have to sort of get a reality check with once in a while. For sure. sure. What also sticks out to me is that you know. Orgs like BNC are like meant to like, you know, policy coach and then media train um, these people that they're backing. But I feel like she kind of was like ready to issue. Like she was like ready to go as soon as she was out there. And like, and even she, to the point where she is now even like coaching people um, in Congress about like, social media and it's like just just use it authentically like if you're like a mom who likes to garden be a mom who likes to garden don't be like some like pandering to the youth like person like it seems like she is able to get to some core like philosophy with social media that other people just haven't been able to figure out but it's this responsive it's this very like deep like really 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 like organic kind of like use that she's sort of like kind of uh executing on or whatever but like she like anytime she tweets it's like oh it's like this event it's like and, and not in the same like parallel way as like trump but like in this way that's like oh wait like let's lean in like what is she saying today and Definitely. that's kind of what's most remarkable yeah see the thing is, that's funny is that you know you, you hear about her giving 
classes, you know, and, and Senate rooms and, and teaching other people that are responsible for other yeah. amounts of Americans how to communicate with them. And it, it's weird because, of course, I see it one way, but I'm sure that, you know, anybody else that's not related to a politician just must wonder, like, why is she so good and why are they not so good? Uh-huh. And here's the thing is that it's not to knock her down and say that she doesn't have skills. Obviously, she does. The yes. reality is that other senators and other congressmen are, and congresswomen are not able to um, be authentic because they're paid for. You know, if mm-hmm. somebody has a vested interest in in what you say and you have a ventured interest in their best benefits because they're funding you, you can't ever speak without thinking about what you say eight times. Yeah. And if that's how you are, I mean, especially like any millennial, like typing something out 10 times before you hit send, you know what I'm saying? Even when it's totally authentic, imagine when, you know, you're not aligned with the interests of the people, you know, you're going to be typing it out 50 times and never hitting send. Because you don't want to get canceled. You know what I'm saying? It's just this perpetual fear of the inevitable um, judgment day. When you have so many like shareholders in your job, it becomes sort of this like paralyzing thing to act on any sort of like impulsive thing that like is supposed to align with something moral or something like, I don't know, like something like clear. I mean, the whole Ed Markey thing, I feel like Ed Markey would not sort of have proven his like progressive bona fides without AOC's like sort of like without that partnership in the Green New Deal. Because I, because I feel like what Joe Kennedy's doing now is like volleying all these things at him that are like, um, you know, he's kind of like Biden because he used to, he was tough on crime and he like, you know, backed the crime bill in the nineties and he, you know, was for like, you know, he was like against integrating schools like back in the day and he like supported the Iraq war, but it's like, oh, but all of that sort of becomes irrelevant because Ed Markey has sort of proven himself in some progressive way by, you know, co-sponsoring the Green New Deal and, and, and stuff like that. Definitely. Here's my problem with Joe Kennedy is that Joe Kennedy is doing all of this for ego. And you can ask sure. him. Like I will, I will happily have Let's a phone add, call. No, with him. I mean, I mean, we're, Adam, I'm, I'm adding him on a daily basis on Twitter, basically. <laughs> perfect. Like I'll, yeah. I'll retweet. Like here, here's the thing with Joe Kennedy is that he's basically saying, "Vote for me because my family has helped you." He's basically saying, "Bring back in the dynasty because obviously, when we elect outside of the dynasty, things just go awry." Yeah, right? doesn't it mm-hmm. seem so crazy? Pick me, you know me. Yeah. And here, here's where, here's what scares me about Joe Kennedy, because people, especially younger voters, um, if they're not necessarily super engaged, but they're just trying to get engaged, what happens is that, you know, you have, like my sister's, uh, uh, her first campaign run with her sort of visual style, and that got stolen by progressives. Fine. Because yeah. it was a blueprint. That's what happens when you create something so, um, so intrinsically unique that mm-hmm. so many people respond to you. It's going to imprint itself. But Joe Kennedy's a biter because here's what he's trying to do is that he's taking this blueprint of sort of this visual language and he's basically Mm -hmm. saying, I'm young, I'm a Kennedy and sort of walking the walk in a way that looks right on camera. And basically he's trying to move people. He's trying to sway voters by saying, Ed Markey's too old. He can't be progressive. Right. So here's how I'm going to smear him and I hope that I make it. Meanwhile, the other... um, JFK grandson is not even following Joe Kennedy 
on uh, mm-hmm. on Instagram or Twitter and is publicly supporting Ed Markey. So mm-hmm. if you can't even get two Kennedys in the same family to agree on a candidate, then yeah, who are you to convince me? You can't even get sure. your cousin to vote for you. Oh, just facts are facts. You know, it's just facts like, are facts. Facts are facts. The thing I feel is like, I can't say that two years ago, three years ago, I wouldn't have been one of those people that didn't see a younger person on the ticket, a name I knew that was associated with democratic values and check that name because why wouldn't you? I don't know who this older person is. I don't know the policy. But the thing is, that's changed, I think, in the past 18 months to two years and maybe even progressively throughout the Trump administration is that on a wider scale, people are understanding the policy itself and also all they have to do is follow the endorsements like ed markey has every progressive endorsement that you could possibly want so really the question of who to follow there is pretty clear and also the thing that's been great about social media i think is like people do get fired up about it because people do see very clearly through what kennedy is doing and i do think that that is one that one good thing about you know social media and the media being so sensitive is you really can't hide anymore no matter because people can find things i mean it's always only a matter of time right and ultimately you look at the two records compared and it's almost it's it might as well be like a Republican running. You know what I mean? At this point, mm-hmm. it's like if, if we're going to turn the Democratic Party into what we need it to be, then in races like this primary where we have a choice, we will pick the more progressive option. We will fight for the more progressive option. You know, in the general, we're going to be voting for Biden and Harris because that's what we have. But in these primary races, like we have to be putting all of our energy into supporting, donating to and elevating these truly progressive candidates. And I think that that the we've seen a sea change in the way that works lately in a way that's encouraging. Definitely. Yeah. The, the interesting thing about the, the um, Massachusetts race, the, the, the Markey race is that, um, which will be decided by the time t- this tomorrow. Comes out. Yeah. By the time yeah. this comes out, it'll be decided, but um, hopefully, but uh, the, the thing is that it's an incumbent who is the more progressive candidate, but it's sort of the inverted thing. We've we've seen mostly the inverted thing, like between Joe Crowley and AOC. It's like the incumbent is sort of to the right or whatever, or with um with Corey and um and Clay. Oh, the Clay Clay, yeah, Clay. Yes. Like it's you know you have you. I mean, this is like a this is a fun sort of like funhouse mirror version of like all of that. Plus, it's set against this like crazy political dynasty, um, and just the fact that. It's in the same state as this Alex Moore stuff, which is also which you which I saw you were posting about today. Gabe. Definitely, definitely. So it's so it's but speaking of like everything will come out like even when it comes out, it's like if it's improperly weaponized or used, it fully backfires. I think I hope and I gonna, hope that, gonna like, need to explain what this is to the readers. Okay, who might not know just because so we can't Gabe, just jump Gabe, into. Yeah, do you mind? Do you want to definitely explain definitely? Great. So here's here's where we are: is that we have Alex Morse, who's running against Richard Neal in Massachusetts, who's Massachusetts is mm-hmm. first Massachusetts M A O one, right? Okay, M A O one, M A O one, and he's running against Richard Neal, who is the head of the committee on Ways and Means. And essentially, Richard Neal is being bankrolled by tons of dark money. And essentially, he's the main reason why Medicare for All can't go forward. He's the main reason why the Green mm-hmm. Deal can't go forward mm-hmm. uh, because he essentially presents it in a way that there are no uh, ways or means for it to occur, right? So the thing about Richard Neal is that um, 
although there isn't any proof to it, so I'm not going to get myself caught up in a bad sound bite, is that there is an investigation that has come out after some people had claimed that uh, encounters on dating apps with Alex that they uh, entered into and continued in totally of their own accord were making them uncomfortable, although Alex was never notified of this. Mr. Morse was never notified of this. And they get represented in uh, a letter written by an attorney from the Massachusetts Democratic Party. So we have the system essentially aligning, um, and it very much reads as if the uh, established power, which reflects Richard Neal, is going ahead and creating um, and fabricating untrue things in order to defeat a progressive opponent. And you'll, I mean, if you haven't seen the debates between um, Mr. Neal and Mr. Morse, mm-hmm. they're very good. And it's so easy to see that Alex is under his skin without raising mm-hmm. his voice, without doing anything other than state the facts. Mm-hmm. And when stating the facts, is killing someone, obviously. Yeah, That's something go. that you have to pay attention to. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. And also, just it's just so interesting to me how the rules seem to not apply to the establishment and like the pearl clutching that goes on about anything that progressives do, such as, you know, Pelosi's endorsement of Kennedy. Correct. And here's the important thing about that is that she said, okay, I'm not going to support anybody that's going against an incumbent. Right. And she said that, and that was supposed to be her general policy. Except, but funny enough, yeah. she's like, oh, mm, too progressive. Like, why the fuck do we need a planet anyways? And just, <laughs> why, why support the Green New Deal? Let me just go ahead, go back on what I said, and go ahead and support the family dynasty candidate right. who is young but going against his own future of the planet for the sake of just achieving a... a some kind of you know yeah, fantasy. It's yeah. just a fantasy. Yeah. Someone that has a job already, dude. Like, get out the fuck out. Losing your shit over the Green New Deal is so embarrassing to me because wait for it. It's just a resolution. It's just a set of guidelines that are like putting a North Star out there to be like, let's have zero carbon emissions by this year. Like it's that's all it's doing. It's not saying we're taking these jobs away. It's not saying we're like fucking shit up it's saying hey this is a goal it's goal setting it's just exactly and that's all it is and the fact that you have these establishment democrats like wanting to like melt down over it and like backing from their word and and endorsing these like primary challengers is so 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 like infuriating and pathetic to me um but the alex morris thing i know but like i mean gabe you do you nailed it uh the thing that the petty thing that i want to bring up is the person who unearthed all of these tinder exchanges between alex morris and these um umass amherst students was this guy who took one of richard neal's classes i think at amherst and was like i want him to get a get me a job and that's why i am it's motivated by this like dumb neoliberal thing of like oh there's uh, there's something to gain out of this so let me like G- and go it's out ancient, of my too. Way. I mean, you know, somebody's got to be Judas. Somebody's going to be bought. Somebody's going to be paid for. Most, I, for, there's so few exceptions that I just do have to say that everyone has a price. And yeah. for some people, it's it's nothing more than 50 grand a year in benefits. Granted, you know, it's not, I'm not knocking that because no, no. so many people out there are suffering and that could be the difference between them and their kids having insurance and yeah. You know, it, it's it is life changing for some people, but when you look at, you know, who these people are and what they're actually selling it for, and 
the money that they come from and the established power that they already have, they're really selling it for nothing. Yeah. Ooh. I just, I have to ask because it's covered a lot in Knock Down the House in the documentary, which is actually how we found out that it was you that nominated your sister to brand new Congress. But they talk about how once you start to show promise or once you start to show a challenge to the establishment, the establishment will then come in and sort of offer you a job and try to offer you the world. Do you think that that's something that your sister has dealt with? I think that they have to see you as a threat in order to offer that to you first. Mm -hmm. And I think they looked at her and they were like, oh, she's, you know, just like, some bitch from the Bronx, right? Just some girl they just that's didn't worked think off she about would something. Be, and yeah. It's like, what could she know? What could she do? But right. the thing is that it was never about her or she. It wasn't a, It wasn't about an individual. Yes. It was always about the fact that she was representing a collective group of mm-hmm. lots of people, but they just did not understand that. You know, they wanted, they essentially needed to have their arm bent, you know, in order to see that. But it's, it's like, why would you... Um, why would we go ahead and twist your arm for you to see us if we could just go ahead and replace you? Yeah. And you you really do see that with, um, you know, political commentators that um, interview your sister. Like, for example, I'll just use Megan McCain as an example. When your sister went on The View, um, someone like Megan McCain has such a uh, just bad taste in her mouth immediately because I feel like she she just has an aversion Mm, to her immediately because she has an inability to see that this person is literally for the people and not in like a political way. Like people that are in political dynasties or involved with political dynasties, it's very clear to me that they, they think, well, it's politics, so there must be an ulterior motive because that's all they know. And you see that in the way that politics is covered too. For example, like the way that I feel that they treat your sister on MSNBC, even on even on like the liberal network, like they still there will is do no something. such thing as a liberal network. Right. Network. Just there so everyone's go. listening, it's like except yeah. the Young Turks. No. Except, Just kidding. <laughs> well, I love the Young Turks. I, I like the Young Turks. See, here's the thing about Meghan McCain is that you know it's listen me. I have plenty of differences with her, and I'm not even going to get into it. But I will say that at least um, I think she has a basic understanding and value for her name. And she very, I believe she's smart enough to know that if she was to go ahead and run for her father's seat, she could probably win in a landslide. Yeah. And she chooses not to. She decides to let the system and the establishment and the people choose who they want. And I have, you have to respect that. Um, Sure. And, but one other thing is that funny enough, I think she actually agreed with my sister more than Whoopi Goldberg did (laughs) because Whoopi Goldberg, or at least in the, in one of the segments, I think prior to them having her on the show, they were like, oh, she's a bartender. What could she know? And Ugh. it's like, Whoopi, what were you doing before you started acting in successful gigs? It's like, right, we all start right. somewhere, you know? Yeah. And it's, yeah. Especially in, in this day and age where um, just everybody needs our help, you know, just yeah. getting forward. I, I Especially when that's part of just the greater social um, discussion. I just don't, that just goes to show that, you know, challenging something new is just sort of a little bit natural for people that have grown to be a part of the establishment. Yeah, for sure. Just one more thing about that is that I think that another element of this, obviously, is that whenever whenever she is challenging something, and I think that's might have been where like people were coming from, like 
in that particular instance on the view is it's like I think there is an element obviously of racism and sexism when it comes to someone like your sister speaking up because they think oh she's being disrespectful like mm. there's this like weird mentality around AOC like when it comes to Biden and her criticisms of Biden or people like him it's like you need to slow your role you're being disrespectful these people are not all bought and evil like you're saying and which is not what she's even saying in brass tacks but but you need to understand that people before you have done a lot and that sort of dismisses the immediacy of what she is saying and i feel that that is targeting her in a way that they wouldn't target someone that say looked like joe kennedy and was espousing the ideals that your sister does it's respectability politics yeah right uh, a million percent i mean it's um the the reality is that if she was in a different physical form mm-hmm. it would be smooth sailing mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. it would be it would be easier um because it she would be in a form that's more palatable to the establishment right yeah but because she's not the ideal uh family dynasty candidate because she's not in the form of a joe kennedy you know she's going to be um put into positions where the establishment is going to try to you know paint her off as like a feisty like sofia vergara and they're going to try to make you a caricature because the easier it is to draw you with a few lines um you know the easier it is for them just to go ahead and close in that box around you sure sure um i did want to point out this thing that i thought was kind of great and like i think it was like a moment where you saw joe crowley sort of like buckle a bit it was it was one of the what like two debates that he actually showed up to when um during the primary in 2018 but it's this thing of like collectivism that you were talking about gabe where it's like she it, the question was would the would the candidates endorse the other candidate uh whoever won the primary basically so would would joe crowley endorse aoc would aoc endorse joe crowley if they won and joe crowley says yes i'll, I'll endorse aoc and then your sister goes I'm happy to take that question to my movement and put that up for a vote. If for that to, for it to always go back to that is so important and so huge and like kind of like I don't know like drills it into into my head like I'm watching and I'm like oh wait that's what this is about it's not about this individualist thing of like she is the only one who can do this it's no it's she's being backed by people who need change um, need change or, or, or this or there's one collectivist voice in your ear and it's not like this thing where other candidates have other private interests a million of them in their ears right it's like she has one sta- like stakeholder in her political life and that's her constituents that's it's as simple as that yeah and, and it's it, it's just wild that we got to this point in our society where we were just l- largely cool with autopilot it's, yeah, and it's yeah, yeah. totally, totally irresponsible. I mean, it's like it, you constantly read about people that get into accidents while they're on autopilot and you're like, huh, like if they were only paying attention, but yet, how many decades was the mass, the bulk of our society just not paying attention? Exactly. And right. it, it seems so insane and revolutionary that it's just like, oh, just listen to the voters who would have thought. Right. But it's just we, we have to recognize that, yes, it, it's exceptional that she's doing that. But we still have to bring it down to the basic level of like, this is what everyone should be doing. Yeah. 
it's representative government, it's, which is like, <laughs> it shouldn't be this thing. It's like, yeah, it's like, the to go back to your analogy, it's like, the person wouldn't have gone to the, that accident had autopilot not been invented or whatever, you know? It's like, right. anyway. Well, yeah. It was invented because they told us we could invent it. And don't right, worry. Right. Like, don't, yeah. don't worry, we have something that's going to take care of you. I remember growing up and being in school and I, the uh, mentality very much being like, and that's, government is something that other people do. You know, there's, it's, right. it doesn't, it, it can't be for you or people like you and how would you even start and you know what i mean it's just like it feels like something you'd have to put a life's work into a specific thing you'd have to go into law or you'd have to do this or that but i really love just like in watching knock down the house which i believe everyone should watch if you have not watched it we've talked about it ad nauseum on the podcast but it's not just alexandria ocasio-cortez it's you know cory bush who paula you know, jean paula jean swearing in and it's um you know um, um amy valella and these are amazing stories all four and only one you know quote unquote has a happy ending in terms of the result of the election but what you can know is that from going forward you know cory bush did win her primary this year and will be elected to Congress, uh, barring something crazy. And Paula so, Jean is running again. And Paula Jean <laughs> is running again and like d polling better. And so this is, it, it's frustrating to watch that documentary because you see people who are just in it for the people and are just in it for the, for healthcare for for medicare for all and are just in there for a better earth and a, and a better fighting chance for the people that really haven't had one and to see them run up against these like roadblocks which are the establishment just like so dead set on keeping things the way that they are and what i would say to everyone who needs it like really spelled out clearly is it's it has never been okay you know what i mean it's just it's not just not okay now because of trump the system allowed trump like the system being was essentially rigged for a trump to come in they just had to do it so it's like i guess that's my own little endorsement of the film and i the one thing i wanted to ask about it was in terms of the crew shooting it, was that just some, cause it was, it's kind of crazy that they followed your sister from the beginning with her going to get ice from the basement at, at the bar. And then like her standing at the end of the documentary in front of the Capitol building. You'd like it's crazy. Surprised. You know, it, it's uh, Rachel, the director of knock down the house. She is so easy to forget that you're there. She is brilliant at just finding that one little corner and, you know, she's she's a little bit smaller. She's got a tight frame. She's got the camera worked up. So, like, she's totally condensed into, yes. um, like, a one form with this with this camera. And it's like when you're watching reality TV and you're like, there's no way that they forget that the cameras are there. That, like, you assume that the camera's just, like, in your face, like, like a, a microphone on a stick, you know? Yeah, it's become not part of the scene. not yeah. the case. Like, sometimes I would scratch my chest and be like, oh, oh no, I've got a <laughs> mic on. You know, like, <laughs> not that I'm ever saying anything too crazy, but it's it, it's definitely easier to um, to get into it with them there than than you would imagine. Mm. All documentarians should be small, and that's actually rule of culture, rule of culture. number ninety seven. All, All documentarians should, should be small. So they they were just following. Your were they following a ton of people from brand new Congress and saying we'll see who works out if any. They followed four. Um, so it was just those four. Okay, it was great. just those four that I understand. And they filmed a good chunk after it too. They actually filmed all the way until November. So there's a lot that happens in those summer months that are just not, you know, on film because my understanding after talking with Rachel, um, 
at the at the premiere that they did at um, uh, Bernard is that she basically just thought that the the understanding would be that okay they won the primary in a deeply blue uh, blue area then it's pretty much going to be d- good until the end right um, and everybody knows that she won so they felt that I guess it would be a little bit redundant so I get I get sure. why they did it but there's so much that's not included in that mm. yeah. Wow. Very interesting. It is pretty unbelievable that it worked out the way it did. I mean, narratively, just in terms of like from filmmaking, I'm like, this is crazy. Like, it's so thrilling and gratifying to watch. And also to know that she's not to be like, not just someone who got into Congress, but, you know, literally the face and start for so many people watching anyway of of something so much bigger. I've only seen it like barely twice. I've only seen it like once. It's just... It's so, it's just so just meta. It's just so weird. And then sure, even then weird. just the other three stories, they, they all made me cry. Yeah. Um, and it's just such a reminder of um, where we are in America, because the reality is that you, these people that are running have the firsthand loss and the firsthand lived experience of what happens when the policy fails you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you yes. know, and it's like you can't find somebody that's better experienced in that situation because it happened to them. You know, like yes. literally, like Q Lady Gaga VMA is like till it happens to you. It's just yeah. very real. Like it yeah. is until it happens to you. You just don't. You will never know. Um, so it's just you couldn't. I don't think that you could get better people to run in the districts that than the four women that were presented. Yeah, and tell me what the hell do you know? What the hell do what you know? What the hell do you know? You know? Okay, we'll take a quick break and then we're going to ask um, Gabriel the question. Yes. Okay, great. Perfect. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. Refreshing bubbles, colorful bottles, and playful smiles galore. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible and with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. Each sip adds a burst of fun to your day. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on all my favorite shows with. Yes, baby girl. And the resealable bottles makes them easy to take them on the go. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, too, keeping us feeling great all day long. Hey, try new Bubbly Burst. Hey, everybody. During the break, let's quickly talk about a couple things that are important to most people I know. Comfort and style. Crocs classic clogs and sandals have both covered. And when we're talking about style, we mean personal style. There's just so many colors and so many gibbets charms. You can dress up your Crocs to match your mood and to match your personality and to fit the occasion. I mean, ultimately, you can stand out from the crowd in a way that only you can because it's your personal style. And now let's talk about comfort. You know, it doesn't get better than the Crocs clogs and sandals when it comes to being comfortable. Style and comfort are usually a trade-off, but here they're a package deal. It's like you have cushions on your feet. Soft, stylish, personalized, colorful cushions. So why wait? Head over to Crocs.com today and experience the comfort and style of Crocs classic clogs and sandals for yourself. Your feet will thank you. Snag a job is where America goes to hire with the deepest talent pool in hourly hiring. With access to over 6 million active hourly workers, Snag a Job is the all-in-one solution for hiring high-quality employees who can cover all your needs. On demand, temp to hire part-time or full-time. You name the position 
warehouse worker, retail associate, grocery store clerk, fitness trainer, baker, stylist, bellhop, podcast producer. Yeah, Snagajob's got a worker for that. With our easy-to-use platform, you're able to seamlessly post and fill available positions quickly with a dedicated customer support team to provide all the help you need along the way. Kind of nice knowing you have a talent pool like that in your own backyard, right? Snagajob is the partner you need to keep your business running smoothly. So visit snagajob.com or text snag to 242424 to talk to an expert. Snagajob.com, where America goes to hire. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get... Titanic, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night out. And what more could you ask for? Find out what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night from Celine Dion's totally real and historically accurate perspective. Titanic is NYC's funniest night out. Plus, it's the winner of multiple awards, including the Las Culturistas Kimberly Akimbo Award for Best Indoor Live Performance. Titanic is a parody musical that answers the question of what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night. Aboard the Titanic. My life was improved by seeing Titanic, so much so that I reached out to my best friend Bowen Yang to improve his life. And Bowen, did it succeed? It succeeded so much that I went four more times. So set sail with this kooky, crazy off-Broadway hit this season. Plus, if you get tickets six weeks in advance, you get 30% off. And that's on Titanic math, girlfriend. But seriously, who can wait that long? Go see it tomorrow. What are you waiting for? Get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Okay, we're back with Gabriel Ocasio-Cortez. Uh, Gabriel, we want to ask you the question we ask all of our guests, which is what is the culture that made you say culture is for me? And Matt, explain what that means. So this is that thing that comes along in your life in the realm of pop culture. And you're like, oh, I feel seen by this. My my being is uh, Affirmed. I'm, I'm powerless against this. It has an influence on me. And the rest of my life is dictated by this, maybe even entirely. Okay. No pressure, right? So just totally <laughs> it's, just, it's formative pop culture. <laughs> totally cash. Okay. So two moments, one event, and it comes full circle. All right. Damn. Okay, I love it. Map it I love out. That. Frame it. So here's where we are. Um, it's February 2008 Grammys. Okay. Love it. So basically, I think my dad is in the hospital at this time. The last year was was difficult. It was a lot of in and out. Um, and just like any kid that's going through this, at least for those that understand, you know, you'll understand. It's that you, you assume every time's the last. So, you know, you're in this, I'm in this really fragile, you know, emotional state. Um, I had just turned 15, like two months before. So like all intents and purposes, I'm like 14. So we're looking at the Grammys and I've watched the Grammys every year that I've been able to have the cognitive awareness enough to put on CBS mm -hmm. and watch it. I yeah. love the Grammys. It's a guilty pleasure. Um, we'll talk about the color issues later on. So we're thinking <laughs> about the Grammys down, that yeah, we're, so we're watching it and, you know, Kanye West. God rest his soul, um, <laughs> is is on the Grammys. And he was so fresh. His style was so... Yeah. He was obviously a yeah. tastemaker, and he was a force to be reckoned with. He was everything um, at that time, yeah. Are you, he say, was are you about to say MIA being pregnant? No, sorry, no, keep going. No, no, no. <laughs> um, shout out to MIA, whatever. Like, I hope, hope she's high good. Five, like, high five. Wishing everybody the best. Whatever she so, is, we hope she's well. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Sorry, so, I cut you off. Keep going. No, you're good. So Kanye, I'm watching Kanye... 
and he starts off and he starts singing Hey Mama because he had just lost his mom. Mm-hmm. And I'm watching this artist in front of me and I'm seeing what I assume I'll be in soon enough. Wow. And I'm seeing his heartbreak wow. and I'm seeing his pain. And I'm just like, I guess this is how a creative mourns. You have no wow. choice but to perform. Right. You know, and it's not necessarily just being on the stage. It's just, you know, fake it till you make it in the saddest sense. You know what I mean? And you're watching him and he's reciting these lyrics. Um, you know, you never put no man over me. And I love you for that. Mommy, can't you see seven years old? Like going through it and he's struggling so much. And I'm next to my mom on the couch uh, in our tiny, tiny house that they, that like, Fox likes to portray was like Mariah's Carey Mansion when it was like at best of show. Oh my God. And it's like, I didn't even know they were framing it like that. (laughs) Anyways. So it's me and my mom and this oversized great Dane that did not belong in a house. That's (laughs) not. And we're watching this and I'm just like, I have a few tears just running down my eyes and she just like, you know, give me my space. I was just, I'm that type of person when I'm upset, you just gotta let me be. Don't chase me. Mm -hmm, Um, mm -hmm. And I'm watching it. And then I see him go into Stronger immediately, like seconds after he finishes Hey Mama. And I remember looking at this and I'm just like, this man is broken. Mm. You know, this man is totally destroyed. He will never be the same and was never the same. And he's just out here giving his all because that's what that's the job of the creative is that you you have to deliver. You have to perform. You have to, you have to. That's just what it is. And that same event, you, uh, the Grammys that, I guess like what, 30 minutes later, whatever you have, Amy Winehouse. Mm. I mean, you talk about a bucket of talent. I mean, just yeah. like yeah. overflowing. No, there's hardly anybody that even matches her. Adele, maybe, you know, but there's nobody that will ever be like her. Um, and you see her and you see her because they denied her visa um, to yeah. come into the U.S. for her. That's right. Due, due to tabloids, they were like, mm, no. So she was performing live from, I think, like a venue in um, like Camden, London. Yep. And I think Tony Bennett reads off the the win and they cut to her and everybody around her is just losing their mind. Yep. She's yeah, just I remember. Yes. And she's just, she's just like... She couldn't believe nah, it. Like yeah. just absolute. And I watched it again this morning and it's only like five seconds that, you know, she's just kind of like, what's going on? Yeah. But I remember being in that moment and feeling so fragile and looking at her and seeing that this was also, you know, another broken human being, you know, somebody that's just stuck, you know, and it, and then of course, you know, the crowd erupts and it's Amy Winehouse and huge. I think she brought home like five Grammys that night. Yeah, was five out of six. The, yeah. And it was, I think the most taken home by a woman in Grammy history until like Beyonce. Um, right, right. I am Sasha Fierce. And then Adele matched her, I think bringing home six or eight in the same night. But it was, it was literally record breaking, but for, you, you could, you could just, it was just so clear on her face that um, she was just grateful to be noticed, let alone get to that level. So for me, I remember walking away from that. And I felt like what it taught me was that there's no part of, of, any product that gets given to the public that doesn't come with a major sacrifice. Oh my and God. You look at Kanye West and he loses his mom, his world, you know, and it sent him on uh, a life path that 
is where he is now, where he's, you know, essentially compromising all of our collective safety by running for president. And then I look at what happened in my life with my dad dying and where it left me and my sister. And it's just a constant reminder that one event can just send you one way or the other. You know, you've got her trying to keep our democracy legitimate and you've got him essentially trying to undermine it. And how can you not look at it and just be like, what happened? You know, it's it's intense. I mean, the fact that at like 14, 15, you're able to like have that like locus of like clarity around like seeing someone on the TV being like that person's broken and to then like, yeah, it is a full circle thing to then connect it back to like what's going on today with him. And then also as it relates in this inverted way to your sister and you is wild. Oh my God. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah, that was great. Also, talk about another terrific documentary film is Amy. Have you seen that? Oh, so good. It's just amazing. And it just, you know what I really Thank loved you, about it? Thank, Thank you, A24. Thank you, A24. You know what I really loved about it was it captured that this is something that I think we lose sometimes in when we lose the humanity of these people when they become super famous is it captured her humor. And I thought when that, she's like giving the tour of her house. Yes. Oh my God. And, and so that funny. like character. And ultimately it just, it made it hurt even more. But, but she was such a funny person. Like on top of Ugh. being like a, a talent that we have not seen, I would argue we have not seen. Um, and I also think she should have gone six for six that Grammys because she lost that um, album to of the who? year to the Herbie Hancock Joni Mitchell album that he did, River. The Joni, he, Herbie Hancock did like a Joni Mitchell album and that won the Grammy for album. Nothing of the personal year, against like, Herbie Hancock, but fucking awful timing. I'm so sorry. Yeah. <laughs> I, I just so there, the, the fact that let's just get into it then. Let's get, get into, into it. it Grammys, what are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> you nominate Jay-Z eight times just to get the viewership, just to nix yeah. him for the sake of basically taking a dog and rubbing their face in it saying, don't don't disturb the established order. Yeah. Oh. Right? So that's one thing. And then how do you not give Beyonce album of the year selling 800,000 copies in, what, two days, changing yeah. the market for music forever? Every yes. release date is on a Friday now, which... A lot of people on the back, uh, a lot of people just that just listen to music don't really understand how much no. that changed the entire industry. The, oh, yeah, no. the Tuesday to Friday shift was huge. Huge, huge. huge. It, it changed charting and the formulas for yep. forever. Um, and to not give her, and besides the fact that it was huge, it was the best album of that year. Absolutely. Um, and in mm-hmm. that category. And to give it to Herbie Hancock is basically just, a, a, it served its purpose, which was to say to Beyonce, hey, you're not too big for us to make you lose. Well, the thing about Beyonce is she really should have two album of the year Grammys because I feel like some, you know what, if we're going to give them the benefit of the doubt, which we shouldn't, like sometimes things happen. Sometimes they think uh, one album is better than the other, whatever. For me, Beyonce self-titled was the defining album of that year. When that album came out at midnight, I'll never forget where I was. I'll never forget how I felt. I'll never forget the weeks following. I Uh, messaged you first thing. Oh girl, and, please. And I remember you saying this feels like a sick dream. And that's that's like my, my memory of that release. I'll never forget. It was like 1204. And for yeah. some reason, my my I, I've I'd never go on iTunes. For some reason, I was like, I moseyed over to iTunes and I just saw Beyonce and that iconic font on that like black background. And I was like, Knockout no. font. The, the font is called Knockout. Yes. Well, there you go. And um graphic design zone bone yang. Yes. Um but I'll I was like, this can't be 
an, a whole album and then to, to see that it was a visual album like that for anyone that loves music and loves Beyonce and loves just joy that was such a moment and for her to also not only just put out an album but revolutionize herself as an artist and make herself into some, reincarnate really like a new spirit was like born but mm. so whatever they they didn't give it to that one but the lemonade snub just to give it to Adele for an album that was a redux of the first album she had one album of the year for that to me was truly yeah. unacceptable because lemonade is i mean if you're gonna say beyonce is amazing but not a cohesive work you're insane but i guess lemonade is an unbelievable cohesive work mm -hmm. that is about something specific it is it is a change in the artist when she how could she possibly get even better i mean to me it's just like I, I invalidate them now almost completely because they did that. And here's the thing about the self-titled is that it was arguably ahead of itself with the philosophy of everyone's so focused on the single and on the quick pace yep. and nobody's looking at the bigger picture, mm -hmm. which is yes. what that album was about, which is why there was a video for it. It was about the feeling of watching mm -hmm. Michael Jackson and MTV and mm -hmm. the way music used to be given to us, where we would mm. have to listen to the record and how just sort of like the way TikTok is sort of taking our attention spans back down. Yeah. You know, it's mm -hmm. it's a comment on on that. So it's it's one thing to snub 2013, but then when she comes back, doubles down on her message and goes ahead and issues this entirely different body of work than to snub that just you could tell wrong. it hurt her too. You could, yeah. you could tell because the thing about these artists is like you think like you get to a certain point in your career and like it doesn't matter, but it does because it's like it, it really is a recognition and and that's all people really because at the in our hearts like we can say it's because we want to make people laugh or you want to make people dance or whatever. But really, this is like it's, it's your art and to be to know that you've completed um something amazing and something that no one else could have done and then to see them make that safe commercial decision because someone else had sold more records um because artistically they're not in comparison is just so disheartening and to see her there in the front row and like only receive like i think urban alternative album right which basically says like oh like we like you as a black person Exactly, yeah. but and not that, yeah. not the not the album of the year because then we've got to put you against the rest of of what we've got. And the thing is yeah. that you know it's it, you you'll have people that say, oh, but the Grammys can't hate her. She has like twenty four or whatever it is. She's got the most. Like uh, outside of Allison Krauss, she's got the most. But there is you have to understand like they're they're segregating it. That's what they're doing. Totally, totally. And that's why I totally stand by Talia the Creator when he was like, okay, you're basically you know just. I, I think he was making the comparison to being a field slave or a house slave. It's like, yeah, you bumped me up a little bit, but you know, what does that mean if I'm still a slave? Mm, right. And the thing is that, you know, people are like, oh, Beyonce has so many Grammys. And it's like, yeah, because they were giving her like basically crumbs for Destiny's Child and for little things and for like little pop performances here and there. So when you look at it on paper, it's like, whoa, she's got an impressive amount of Grammys, which she does. They're not giving her front runner Grammys. Exactly. No, she and that's the thing the that general people have field. to understand. Yeah. And there is something too when people You're dismiss right. the Grammys as, and I, I, know, I know you might have just said this, Matt, but it's like when people dismiss the Grammys as, oh, it's it's this, you know, You know they're bought, arm. who cares, whatever, blah, blah, right. blah. Right, yeah. but it's like, 
whether or not you believe that art is art, art isn't art until it's evaluated or something like it's still this thing where if it's not being recognized by like an institutional thing, whether however much you value that, or if you don't give it power, it's still meaningful in some way to the artist. It depends on the artist. And I think Beyonce is someone who is in some way like an institutionalist as far as the music industry goes. Like, I think she would have like loved that recognition. Well, she, the thing is she deserved it. And I'm actually, I'm happy that we're talking about this because it actually loops around to what I started bringing up in this podcast, which is this Mariah Carey New York magazine interview, because you know, Mariah has only won five Grammys out of her entire career. And she is, she is the revolutionary. She is a revolutionary, one of maybe four or five female artists that have done what she has done. I mean, it's like Madonna, Mariah, Whitney, you know, but Mariah's Be- Beyonce, like a songwriter and, and a singer goes. And yeah. beyond and the thing about Mariah is she is a real songwriter, a real producer, and a singer that we've never seen the likes of and probably will never again in terms of like the specific tone, range, ability, emotion that she can convey. And they discuss in this piece how a lot of her book that's gonna be coming out is about how she um deals with being mixed race and Mm. how she was marketed in the beginning of her career by her white record executive husband as white and they tried to keep her very like even the critics that would review her music were like she's a white singer who sounds black she's a white singer white singer white singer and she dealt for the first six or seven years which is a really long time in your professional career where they were really like tampering down her blackness and they would not allow her to explore that musical side of herself and i think that as a result of doing that it's kind of crazy that she was able to have the massive success that she had and crossover successes she had because she was being so like in a calculated way kept from what her Mm -hmm. artistic impulses were and i think the grammy thing it's actually no surprise that she's only won five because they are segregated categories and she was never black enough for the black categories and was never white enough for the white categories. Mm-hmm. And it's Definitely. like really crazy. Cause she's Mariah Carey. Like, I don't think anybody else could even sell a quarter of the records that she sold and not have at least like 15 Grammys. Yeah. Like it's just, that is the, the number. That's the it's right just number. Insane. Like I'd say she, she's minimum 16 Grammys. I yes. mean, like, it, that's what she in terms deserves. Of what she fr- deserves, solid yes. front runner, you know, yeah. categories, best vocal performance, etc. This is a fun game to qu- quantify the number of Grammys an artist deserves. I mean, this. I'm like, you yeah. can do this with anyone. Like Katy Perry I, has never won one. I think she deserves at least three. She deserves. She deserves Katie at least Perry? three. Katy Perry. Crazy that she doesn't I, have any. I, right. I, I don't love, I don't stand Katy Perry in the way that a lot of people no, do. No, but I agree with you. She I feels agree. consequential enough where you think yes. she'd have a few. Yeah. Yes. Yes. So it's like with with Mariah, with Mariah, it's like I think at least sixteen because the thing too about Mariah is she's constantly ahead of her time, constantly. Yes. Like when she released Butterfly in '97, and they talk about this in the article, and I really recommend the article now that, now that I'm bringing Allison up Allison P. Fifth, Davis, Allison Wonderful. P. Davis, who's the best. Um, but she also talks about how you know that Butterfly album, like 
pop music, like pop artists were not crossing over into R&B as much. There was not mm-hmm. like that pop R&B vibe until she really like made that like a mainstream thing. And also she kind of revolutionized having features like ODB when he was on the fantasy remix. Like huge deal. Jay-Z on like on, Heartbreaker. On and, Heartbreaker. And, and Tommy Mottola that didn't created want any part of it. genre. Just like yes. the whole yes. making like the the R&B diva with the, with the hip hop feature yeah. That was the formula that leads to Crazy in Love and Dilemma right. and all these early 2000s sounds. Um, that that was totally the creator of it. It was 100% Mariah Carey, Jay-Z, ODB, P. Diddy, Mace. Yes. That, whole, uh. that entire era was such a great era. And I feel like, honestly, like... It's just it's just rough to know that while they were because they were all so revolutionary and they were so under rewarded like at the end. And to also think about how many artists we could be enjoying right now if the market didn't like market correct them or like push people out yeah. because they found someone else. Like, you know what I mean? Like for as big Look as at little was, X, that's he's the I perfect know. example of, oh, you made a, you made country music sound too urban so we can't even consider it in the realm of country Uh, is so racist in itself the fact that nobody even addresses the fact that like the people that took that off the charts had an agenda and and how and how how solely based on the artist's race a lot of placement and categories is at something like the grammys whereas like you know you couldn't have told me like like when when I first heard "There You Go" by Pink, I would have never thought that was a white girl. Literally, Tony Braxton or something like could release the same song as like Celine Dion, and they would put Tony Braxton in the R and B category, and they'd put Celine Dion in the pop category at that time, and it would mm-hmm. never it would never cross over. And it feels like maybe you know not to not to like make decisions for them or like definitively say how I feel right here, but it's like I always wish that it's like the Grammy should be. Like they get together, they felt that ten pieces of work were really deserving of recognition this year, and we have like a large performance like that is like all of those amazing pieces of work, and then you do it like that. But this characterization based on like race with the Grammys and uh, you know gender in everything as it, as gender is becoming um, something different than it used to be in the public eye. Like I feel like all of this is feeling really antiquated. So yeah, as the yeah, media gets more sensitive and you find out like these things can be bought and sold and it's all industry pandering, whatever. And they place things the way they see fit that works best for them. It kind of like for kids that like loved the Grammys and loved the Oscars, like it makes it so much less fun and so much it's so much shittier to watch but it's also like freeing to understand that that's the reality of the world and you do get something from that it is being exposed for what it is more so than it was in the past i think hopefully it's like when it's like when sudi our friend sudi always so there was one time where i i was watching the the reality show the x factor with her and um i was like this is like american idol but better and i was watching it with her and i i this girl was performing and she was like she was not having it. Our friend Sudi was like not having it. And I was like, why don't you like it? She's like, look at how many Pepsi cans there are. Count how many. And that was the first time I ever like, quote unquote, saw all the Pepsi cans. Like my <laughs> mind was, I couldn't not see the way I was being marketed to at all times from now on. But I, I someone who was born in consumer in America, like us all, like I had to be told that it was happening. You know, you have to be slapped across the face to wake up and like understand that like this this is bullshit. 
like it, that happens at different times for different people. But I guess what I'm saying is I'm happy it happened at all because it's so real. Yeah. Well, I mean, we're still watching the Grammys, though, as much as we. The first episode of this podcast is called the Grammys. We talked all yeah. about the Grammys. Yeah. As, as flawed as they are, I mean, we're still we're still tuning in. Because awards still matter. Is that it's it's too easy to say, oh, screw them anyways. Is that no, yeah. the awards matter. That's why they're given out to people. That's why you have them because mm-hmm. they're motivating, they're reminders, they're they're everything that you need them to be when yeah. you need uplifting and et cetera. And it's yes. they're still just it's too important in in pop culture and our culture and music in America to to abandon it. Yeah. But if you know, if they're not willing to change, what position are we left in, you know? Right, yeah. right. For sure. Damn. And I Damn. think I think it might be time on that note for I don't think so, honey. Yes. Wouldn't you say, Bo? I would say so. So I don't think so, honey, is our segment at the end of every episode. We take one minute each to rail against something in the culture using the words, I don't think so, honey, as the um, sort of syntactical frame for it. So, yes. um Matt, so we'll do Matt, me, and then we'll do Gabe. Does that sound good? That sounds Solid. good. That sounds good okay, to me. Okay, great. Solid. I, ha- I have one, and I'm ready to fire away on it. That's perfect. This is Matt Rogers. I don't think so, honey. His time starts now. I don't think so, honey. You feeling like you need to shit talk my ex just because they're my ex. You don't need to do that. Whoa. Like, people who come up to you and are like, uh-huh. oh, just so you know, I always thought this about your ex. Shut up. Because A, yeah. you're wrong because I liked that person and even loved that person. And uh. B, it's like, if you thought this the whole fucking time, where were you at? Disingenuous mm-hmm. piece of shit. I don't think so, honey. Wow. Also, you don't have to fill the time with this bitch there's so many other things that we could talk about also maybe i don't even want to talk about my fucking ex i want to talk about how the grammys are bullshit i don't want to talk about my ex also not for nothing but a lot of the shit that you say about my ex is not true you don't know them like i know them and there's nothing you're gonna do to illuminate me and also if you're gonna tell me something shitty about my ex guess what bitch i probably already knew it that's probably one of the part of the reasons why we broke up i don't think so honey you coming with the breaking news that actually you didn't like that my my boyfriend had a bad taste or was weird shut up you're not helping me you're not helping yourself you look stupid i don't think so honey and that's one minute wow <gasps> that 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 was just st- like a straight line like start to finish it's like not you... a good idea to do this yeah i know totally don't do it don't do it you're because also it's just like oh i'm so happy you broke up with so-and-so because this it's like this is ugly like and also like who are you to bring this up to me and also i don't want to hear this and another thing too is like i have i'm on good terms with everyone that i've been in a relationship with yeah who are you to assume who are you to assume that it was a contemptuous thing in the first place yeah i don't know i guess i guess maybe it's like people run out of things to say or feel like they have to to make me feel better but it's like no we're in a post Jada and Will at the Red Table world where it's kind of, I, I hope that it's sort of reorganized our thoughts around what separation means. Not that they're even separated, but around like what, you know, what like a compromised couplehood is. Yeah. You know? And also it's like, I'll bring my partner to the red table. Yes. I don't need you to bring me to the red table about my partner. I there actually, you go. I've seen red table and I know how it works. And I know that I bring myself to the red table or it doesn't mean anything. Basically what it, what it reminds me of is when people are like, oh, hey, like 
I just want to let you know that so-and-so just happened to tell me this. Like, it seems like you know, uh-huh. they, 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 they feel, might feel this, this way about you or think that. No. Bitch, why do they feel so comfortable telling you about it then? Yes, yes. Why are you in a position to be, you know, a, a sticky pad for this, for this rat to get caught on? Exactly. Oh and also, it's always you're playing because you're playing one of us. Somebody's getting played and I'm not going to be played. So yeah. if, you, if somebody feels comfortable telling you some shit, you're out. I've yeah, cut you out, out the circle. Is donezo. I no. love this. It's out. It always puts in my head like, well, what did you say to them when they said that to you? Exactly. Like, I, I always know that this person has talked more shit than they let on. And that's yes. that's actually a thing. And I'll say it out to the universe right now. I don't know how you guys feel. I never want to know when someone is talking shit about me. Ever. Yeah. Just let me live in this never. ignorant bliss. I never right. want to know. I don't I don't need that because honestly, I'm the kind of person that will sit with it all day. Yeah, you can yeah, send me yeah. a screenshot. Mm. Which is one Because that's thing. a receipt. Send me a receipt. Send me something material fact. Fine. I, I'm not going to say no to facts because then that's just choosing to be ignorant. And that's something different. But for someone to present the facts, that's one thing, though. That's a different thing. It's just like if you if you are on somebody's fence or some shit. I don't know whatever the kids do. Yeah, 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 yeah. Or like no you're, 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 you're like, or like they they you know dropped a tweet and then deleted it and you caught it in time. Fine, 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 fine. But if suddenly it's just something that you're in conversation with them with for some reason, regardless of if you baited yeah. it or you let it, then no, then yeah. like come over to my house and me see your phone. <laughs> ah, truly, and even then, it's like. Too much manipulation is possible. Just no. no. Yeah, no. Totally. I just feel like if here's what I would say to everyone: if you are if you have information and you're gonna give it to someone about and it's about them and it's gonna hurt them, that sucks. If it's gonna hurt them but help them, then maybe it's worth giving. If someone mm-hmm. needs to know something, and I always feel like people can filter things into what they need to say and what they want to say. Yeah, but. People seem to really lose that line. And I feel like just keep it to yourself. If it's going to hurt someone's feelings, don't be the messenger because I might shoot the messenger wow. with a bow and arrow. Okay. <laughs> um, okay. And now with that, um, it's going to be Bowen Yang's. I don't think so, honey. Now, mm-hmm. Bowen Yang, do you have a topic on this day? I do. I have a topic. All right. Well, that's good. I feel it's very actually, passionately actually, about it. Well, here we go. Well, this is Bowen Yang's I don't think so, honey. And his time actually is going to start now. I don't think so, honey. Giant ice cube is in a tumbler. It just rolls around. It, it it hits you in your damn nose when you're trying to take a little sip of something. Interesting. Do you know what I'm saying? And what is the what is the novelty around it? Are we still in like 2014 where this was cool? Are we still in a time where mixologists are fuckable? I mean, they still are, and I actually don't. <laughs> I actually, I was thinking about this the other day. I was like, oh no, like, I was like, what happened to like the sex mixologist? I mean, it must be the pandemic because bars are closed, but I feel like there is going to be, the, I feel like we need the return of the, of the sexy mixologist again. I feel like culturally they've been sidelined and marginalized too long. Okay. Anyway, but I think we can take seconds. the, we can take the giant ice cube out of that sort of aesthetic, right? Because I think that it's not this like necessary motif in, you know, uh, uh, in in bar culture, I don't need a giant fucking thing of ice hitting me in the face as I take and a that's, sip of that's uh, one minute. Bourbon. That's quite enough. I just want to tell you, as a former bartender, it is uh, a stylish thing to have that large ice cube. It's a thing of style, it's not, and it is, it's that, not that functional. makes it sex appeal. It's n- 
it's not functional. It's why why is it why do I why do I need that? Okay. I, I, I want my little trapezoid prism cubes in my glass. That's it. That is antiquated. No, it should it's just there's a reason why it's so you know, it's so sort of widely distributed. First of all, for an ice cube to be functional, all it has to do is make a liquid cold. And that's actually rule of culture number 70. For an, for ice, an ice cube, cube to, to be, be functional, functional, all it has, has to, to do is, is make a make liquid, a liquid cold. cold. You talking about the functionality, maybe you have a big fucking nose, bitch. How about that? Get your nose out no, of the drink. Don't how make about it stop? My nose. How about don't go so far back? It's not about the individual experience. It's about the collective struggle with big ice cubes and the way that they are You say big ice cube like it's like big industry. Get what out. Industry? No, no, no. I'm saying like on a scale thing. On a scale. Will you attack it as such? Gabe, please uh, decide this for us. <laughs> Listen, so I have to be on the side of the bartender. Thank you. Okay, but the, I don't think the bartenders like the big ice cube. They do. do that's they? why they use them. That's why you've been You have to think about so. tip factor. Tip factor is that Having a bigger ice cube looks cool because it's been marketed as a higher taste Ugh. kind of item, which is why people have, you know, whiskeys neat with the ice cube, with the with the with the larger sphere. It's yes. just expected that if you're given a larger ice cube and then they slowly pour it on top of it, that you are likely going to see it as a luxury yeah. item and therefore tip better, which is going to help them pay their rent. So I gotta go with it. And that's why Gabe and I are for the working class and we are for the people and Bowen Yang is classist and no, the establishment I, and he is Saturday Night Live. When I tip yes, my bartender, I'm tipping them for the, just the, the, the liquor. Bitch, and, and, no, and it is the, an experience and therefore you've obviously been in pande- pandemic well, too long. If, if, okay, if any bartenders It's okay to, to be like act. that, but just let him know so that he just cuts down all the effort and just gives it yes. to you without the show and just tell him, say, hey, I, I don't care less if it, if it's like, if it's the good stuff, it's the good stuff. Just give it to Fine. me. But then you're Fine. telling him he can't perform. And also part of no, bartending no, 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 and part no, no. of the joy of doing it is the art of seduction. Oh, my God. I mean, I Maybe feel that like... doesn't track entirely, <laughs> but to me it does. Both of you are stupid. It's marketing, I... too. Half of it's marketing is that you're yes. showing the other people that are about to order that you're that bitch and that you can make that drink. A hundred percent. You're saying you want to wait for my ass to pour you your cocktail over this globular ice cube that you don't even know how the sausage is made, but just come over here, sit down and have a drink. Ugh. I mean, I then, I mean, this does fall on me individually to be like, I don't like this thing. And that's fine. It's your, I don't think so, honey. You're entitled. Thank you. And thank you. We have to respect the I don't think so, honey. We respect the form, but also understand that once you got dive into the form, the form is then, you know, it's able to be critiqued. Okay. Thank you. Um, I think it's time for Gabe to do his. I am excited. So do you have okay. a topic here? So I do. I do. It okay. was gonna okay, be cool. it was either gonna be one or another, but we already went over Kanye. So we did, and here's the right. thing, Kanye. He doesn't even deserve our energy. I'm, I don't think so, honey. Okay, no, like no, rest he, in peace. no, no, no. We just need him to may, go. We need, we need rest. him to go get well. Um, but okay, it's Gabriel Ocasio Cortez's. I don't think so, honey. And his time starts now. I don't think so, honey. People that hate on the Bronx, I don't know who you are, or where yeah, you come what? from, or what you get off on thinking that you could hate on the best oh borough God. in New York City. Chances are 
that you're the type of person that strolled into town, not from here, so you don't have a voice uh-huh. in it. And then you're probably also the same person that moves into a gentrified apartment in Brooklyn because it's yes. trendy for you. And then you go out and you post on Instagram and Twitter, Black Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, but you chose to go into a neighborhood where you either knowingly or unknowingly displaced Black and Hispanic families. Yes. So how much do Black Lives Matter to you? And ah! then you want to go ahead and then hate on the Bronx. We have given you... Me, AOC, J-Lo, Cardi B, Sonia Sotomayor, <laughs> Colin Powell. Do not come for us. We yeah, are the best borough. We are the kindest borough. And we are the realest borough. And you get your life and your pop culture from us and our style. If you like us, then you have to respect Five us. Seconds. You cannot hate on the Bronx. Damn. And that's, that's one minute. Two one minute. To who the fuck yes. are these? And, and he did it in a, 50, in a quick 58. But wait, <laughs> who the fuck are these people Tight. talking shit about the Bronx? Are they just as throwaway things being like, oh, the Bronx? No, it's just people that totally dismiss it as like a respectable part of New York City. I as if like okay. millions of people don't live here and as if we don't have major contributions to the culture. I mean, yeah. the Yankee cap, us. You yeah. know, Regis Philbin, us. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like the Godfather's us. Like, you know, like seriously, if you ever jammed out to on the six, you have to respect the six train as you it goes into the Bronx. The and it's just that simple. That's it's simple. actually it's actually rule of culture number one hundred and one. Know where the know six, goes. six goes mm. on the six. That yeah, album. You, you cannot you cannot say that you like J Lo without without um doing your best to not erase an entire borough of this huge. City. The Bronx created waiting for a night. So it's yeah. like if you've ever waited <sighs> for an event at night, you owe it to oh. the Bronx. You owe it to the Bronx. Wow. You owe it to J Lo. We do owe That's it to the Bronx. Also, can we say what a perfectly titled album? What what I'm an amazing sex. debut album and what a perfectly titled album. What a fucking bops. Every time you hear "Waiting for Tonight," it's you're done for. You have to respect that song and give that song its three and a half minutes because oh it God. is a bop forever. And also, she owns that green lighting. No I'm one else sure can those use green that green lasers lighting. hit me in the eye and. That's what led to homosexuality for me. Yeah, I would believe. That's what led to homosexuality. That's that's what happened. She was on the screen, and then there were green lasers, and yep. I like blinked twice, and um, and that was gay. Yeah. So that had to be when you were like what? Because that that was two thousand. Was that nineteen ninety nine? That was ninety nine. Yeah. So you were seven. That so was six and a half. Yeah, that'll do it. That'll do it. All you need is an icon to come in at that formative stage of your life when you're kind of realizing like what your personality is. And a Puerto Just, Rican. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Someone I'm like, oh, I know her. <laughs> yeah. What's your thoughts on J-Lo as she stands? Do we, or do we stand? J-Lo? Um, she's about to buy the mats. She just lost... She She's got swag, man. She's got swag. She's, she's dope. She performs. She looks amazing. She is amazing. Um, you can't... You can't really come for her. No. Anybody, even if you want to question somebody's talent, if they've got longevity, you can't say shit. That's the no. reality. Yes. Is that if they've kept their foot in the door and then some, you just can't come for them. Like, if you want to try to clock Mariah, you just, you can't. No, you can't. We, we were talking yes on our last episode with Justin Tranter, who's a big songwriter. He was saying, like, just as someone who works in the industry, whenever an artist has more like, multiple hits, like, again and again and again and again, it is because of the artist. And you do have to have respect. Like, he, he works with Selena Gomez a lot. And she is another one where people are like, whatever, it's Selena Gomez. Like, she's not a good singer or whatever. But she is artistically involved and chooses all those things. And you can't just be an artist that they feed everything to for years and years and years. Like, and JLo has been going for 
years and years and years and years, probably before she was even in the mind's eye of you, the reader at home. Like before Selena. Well, she, I mean, she was a fly girl no, in like yeah, the she early, fly, yeah. early nineties. For a lot of right. people, their whole idea of Selena is directly tied to Jennifer yeah. Lopez. And that should have been an Oscar-nominated performance right there because my my thing with the Oscars is always like I feel like someone should be nominated if no one else could no have one done else it. can play that. Yeah, Who yeah. else could have done that? Yeah. Who truly. else would have had the star quality to get out there in that like huge stadium? And who would you buy turning around and smiling, cracking a smile, a movie star, pop star smile, and the entire arena going crazy? It's just like you have to be so good. And she was so funny and so like heart wrenching. And she to me that was like a star is born moment on another level. And she has what a career. She has re-upped that again and again and again. She can do it all. From In Living Color to, like, the Super Bowl halftime, the one good thing that happened this year, I mean, what a fucking, what a fucking legend. And I and I gotta say, I shared a very gay moment with her Monday during the pitch meeting at SNL. I told you this, Matt. What? Where she, she had the, um... She coach, came to host SNL and Bowen. She came, she, yeah. she hosted SNL, but she, in the pitch meeting, she had this, um, she had this bag that had, like, sort of this, like, Andy Warhol-esque, like, Barbara Streisand face on it. It's this coach. She got she got coach before coach releases their stuff. Wow. And then I sat down and then I whispered to myself. I didn't think she would hear. I said, Barbara. And then she looks at me and goes and strokes the back and goes, Barbara. And then she <laughs> looks into my soul and goes, Barbara. And she did it because it's funny, girl. And it's because she was hosting SNL. And, and it's because like, oh. it's it's icons and it's icons respecting icons. Icons respecting icons. JLo is bona fide icon. Definitely. And Definitely. the Bronx gave her to you, everyone. And so have you have to respect Gabe saying the Bronx gave you so many things. Me, my sister. Yes. To start oh, off listen, with yourself. Listen, you have I'm to. never going to put myself last. You are going to no. always be your best advocate. And at the end of the yeah. day, any interaction that you have with me, you're not going to forget me. And that's just how it's going to be. Gabe. Okay. And yeah. I love this. And t- quickly, quickly, just um. Explain to people your philosophy around this advice that you're giving on an IG, because I think it is a thing that you can really, that has a lot of legs. I think you start your own sort of like column, perhaps. I think there's a future in this for you, in this space. I had no idea that it was going to turn into what it is. Like, I get uproar in my DMs when it closes out. Um, (laughs) (laughs) It's, the. I think people, I don't know how they find me. I feel so sorry that they end up following me. Um, No, but the reality is that I, I get a lot of people that reach out to me because I think that they've seen enough of my content and interacted with me in mediums like this where they understand that I'm just going to give it to you straight, no chaser. Yes. But I'm going to give it to you in a way that, you know, rips off the band-aid, but not for the sake of burning you for, this, for the sake of causing pain. You know what I'm saying? I'm going to yeah. give you just enough that you need to hear and leave it open-ended enough that you can interpret it the way you need to because I'm not here to tell you how to live your life. You know what I'm mm, saying? Right. So this is how I go about it. I mean, I've been approached to potentially do it um, as something more formal, maybe something, you know, in collaboration with the company, something editorial. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I'm toying with it. But the thing is that um, the the more you get people into it, the, the more I'm scared for its integrity of what it is. Um, so I'm not afraid to leave it as a Q&A, me directly to the people. Um, yeah. If that means that I lose out on a check, then that's what it is. But I want it to just constantly be sincere. If you're asking me about how to handle your, you know, prison fiance that you've never met, 
or, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. just coming out as potentially as, as trans or coming out as just anything. And perhaps mm-hmm. you just don't even know yourself, but you know that you have that urge inside you. It's just the range and the gamut being run um, of people yeah. that are just coming to me. is just really intriguing. And it's really, um, it's really humbling that people want my help in this. I'm really excited to see what becomes of you and the talent that you've so clearly possessed because it's very cool. And we we could, we wanted you on the show because we felt that you were definitely special. So we're super excited that you came out and did the show. Oh, you're sweet. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he is. And every time you talk to me, you're going to leave the interaction knowing that that guy is sweet. Oh, see, see, I planted the seed in his head. Now he's just like, he's thinking about it. He's like, yeah, I need everybody to re-remember no, me again after the interaction. Yeah. <laughs> You are you are giving him an identity, which is yeah, and the thank best you thing so much. <laughs> thank you so Christmas. much. I've been I've been waiting for years to get one. <laughs> wow, this episode was fucking great. A phenomenal episode. Thank you so much to Gabriel Casio Cortez for joining us. Thank yes. you for having me. It was great. And tell tell them your damn handle so they can follow you. So I'm on Instagram at Gabriel Ocasio Cortez. I'm on Twitter at Gabe Cortez, but I'm private on Twitter. So maybe I'll let you follow me. Maybe I won't, but try it. Why not? You know what? Try it. Why not? Life Which I love it. I love it. And honestly, front runner for title of app. Try it. Try it. <laughs> I like that. Pithy. It's nice. Try um, it. We close every episode out with the song. We really do. Matt, what do you think? Like a movie we've, we've, scene in the sweetest, in the sweetest dream, dream. I pictured, I pictured us, together. us together. And feel your lips on my fingertips. Have to say it's, it's even better. And to hear the rest of that, you can go listen to the album On the Six by okay. Jennifer Lopez. The Bronx, of the Bronx is on! Exactly. Yes. There's a new sparkling water beverage from the makers of Bubbly, Bubbly Burst. It's bursting with fruit flavor, no added sugar, and all smiles. Bubbly comes in a variety of six fun flavors that taste incredible. And with no added sugar and low calories, there's a lot to smile about. I don't know about you, Matt, but it's my perfect beverage for catching up on my favorite shows with. Yes, Lil Bowen. Bubbly Burst has antioxidant and immune support, keeping me feeling great all day long. You deserve that. Try new bubbly bursts. You know that I feel like it's really important to express yourself. I know that about you. You got to put your true self out there, okay? And those classic Crocs, clogs, and sandals let you do just that. Between the rainbow of colors and the gibbets charms, you can create a unique look. And I mean, literally, no one else will have shoes exactly like yours. Hey, you know, it doesn't get more comfortable than Crocs, clogs, and sandals. They're just the perfect blend of comfort creativity. Visit crocs.com to explore the latest styles and gibbets charms. When the music of Celine Dion makes sweet Canadian love with the Oscar-winning film Titanic, you get Titanique, a campy, unhinged, chaotic night out. Find out what really happened to Jack and Rose on that fateful night from Celine Dion's totally real and historically accurate perspective. Some say Titanic is the best gay nightclub in the city, and those people are me. And me. So set sail with this kooky, crazy off-Broadway hit and get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Get tickets today at titanicmusical.com. Whether you're a savvy spender maximizing your savings with cashback rewards, a thrifty rate watcher seeking the lowest interest, or a travel enthusiast looking for extraordinary perks, 
Kemba Financial Credit Union has a visa to complement your lifestyle and unique needs. Apply today at Kemba.org to unlock a limited time 2% cash back on purchases and pay 0% interest on balance transfers for an entire year with a new visa from Kemba. You deserve a card that works for you. Restrictions apply. Offer ends June 30th, 2024.